Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, upvote, comment, all of that stuff would be appreciated. Also, we're available, like I said, of wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. You don't have to say anything nice about us. Just give us a five-star review if you don't mind. We'd appreciate that very much. Pratt Rogers is here for his weekly segment on Ole Miss recruiting, and it was a commit a palooza this weekend. Akello Stone, Patrick Broomfield. It was a good weekend for Ole Miss football. Hey, Stephen. Man, no doubt. Super, super, super good good vibes from the weekend, especially I uh, feel like we needed it after that baseball series beatdown. So, uh uh, very encouraging weekend for sure on the recruiting front. Wait, baseball season still happening? What's going on? Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I try to block it out too. So, uh, Akella Stone, a defensive lineman from Georgia Tech, and I've seen this go multiple ways. And that is, hey, this is a depth piece for Ole Miss. This is something very encouraging. He's the defensive lineman um, award winner for spring practice at Georgia Tech. The other one is, Oh, he's just a three-star. Why, why are we even talking about him? Why are we going after somebody that's just a three-star? And that line of thinking actually, honestly, makes me a little bit upset because this is the way I see it, Pratt. When Taiwan Malone left, he was judged based off of potential. He still had potential. Everybody was upset that Taiwan Malone was gone because if you look at his stats, you would not have been. But if a player's coming in, it's got to be all execution. There's no potential take in there. So it can. So basically in every transfer situation, one-for-one one situation, you're going to have a group of people that are upset and they get bias and um, confirmation whenever they choose to do it. And you're going to have people that are excited and they're going to get confirmation to their bias in that. So what is your take on a Kello Stone? I, I, I'm actually pretty excited because he's somebody that I view is going to compete with Jamon Gordon for time. If you're looking at a Kalo Stone as a, oh, I'm upset because he's a three-star, then you clearly don't know the status of our defensive line right now, Steven. Uh, look, I, I, I get that mentality when you're a Bama, when you're a Georgia, when you've got the playmakers who would be playing in front of him. Quite frankly, we don't. We just need a body. We need big bodies, and we need somebody who's played a lot of football in the transfer portal to get in there and play defensive line for this team. It's not a secret. This is not rocket science. This is, hey, look, he may be a three-star. He may have potential. Quite frankly, Stephen, I don't think a lot of people know a lot about this guy considering he, his 2022 stats were – 12 tackles, one sack all year, you know, not a lot of playing time. But what you could say off potential is that, you know, since he came out of high school, he's put on 40 pounds of muscle. He's 6'2", 280 now. And you sit there and say, that's a big body at D-line. And quite frankly, we need that. Um, you know, he's a sharp kid. If he's going to Georgia Tech, he's majored in building construction kind of with an engineering emphasis, I think, and facility management. I'm, I'm too dumb to even know what all that entails, Steven. So, I mean, I think this is an asset to the program. Why would you look Why would you look at this as any other, anything other than an asset to the program? Yeah. And you look at it and I, I subscribe to PFF and their advanced stats. So you could see a snap counts and things like that. 
He had roughly 30 snaps a game playing on the defensive line. He played quite a bit. He didn't have many tackles, that, which tells you he's a plugger. He's a guy that spilled players to the outside. He, he, they didn't necessarily come towards him. And his numbers might not be exactly what you expect, but for somebody that's competing with Jamon Gordon, that's fine because J.J. Pegueza is going to be the starter. You need somebody to spell J.J. Pegueza. And if you look at other players on the defensive line, Stephon Wynn, um, I think that's his name, the transfer from Nebraska is between Ole Miss and Mississippi State. And Isaac Ukwu is between Ole Miss and Missouri. So you have a chance to have, honestly, over a two deep at defensive line at the end of all this. Now, they might not come to Ole Miss, but you know what I mean. So we could be in fairly decent shape to where we can kind of concentrate on the defensive backfield because we might have we might be pretty set on the front seven when all the smoke clears on this. Well, look, Stephen, I think you could look at this as you know the classic NIL dilemma of hey, would we rather have you know six or seven really good to average you know defensive players? Can we afford to play? Or excuse me, afford to pay? six average guys, the NIL cost, whatever the market may be for that? Or do you want to go ball out and go pay a lot of money for one guy who may or may not really fill that defensive line position for you? So, I mean, I think there's a lot of different ways to look at this. Uh, yes, we've got a good body. He's probably a good depth piece. He's a kind of like you described, a run plugger. And, you know, he's a sharp kid, clearly. I'm I'm for it. I'm for it. So I think we need to tackle the defensive line, no pun intended, by a uh, kind of a uh, 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 attack by committee almost. Uh, I just think that you can never have too many offensive or defensive linemen in the SEC, and I'm, I'm – I'm for getting as many as we possibly can at this point, figuring out who's who's good in the middle of the season, if that's what it takes. You know, and if you look at the front line of our defense, just the ones across the thing, we're in good shape. Cedric Johnson, really good player. J.J. Pegues, really good player. Joshua Harris, former four-star. Xavion Harris, a four-star nose guard. Just mountains of men. Jared Ivey, pretty good player. We're, we're probably top-end set. So Ole Miss need – just needs depth. Go find three or four guys just to put behind there and give people for Jamon Gordon to compete with. Um, replace a J.J. Hawkins, who honestly, I'm just going to be real here, nobody had really heard of um, before this spring. So, I mean. It's funny. You mentioned kind of the double-edged sword of uh, looking at somebody's potential versus stats mm. versus three-star. I mean, everybody's upset that, uh, he gets in the portal and uh, is going, I think, to Colorado, correct? Is mm -hmm. Hawkins going to Colorado, right? And uh, everybody's like, oh, my gosh, why would he leave? And then all of a sudden you're like, to going back to your point immediately, nobody knew who that guy was until he's gone. Now everybody's upset about it, you know? Uh, so college football fandom is weird and yeah. you're always pulling for your team. You're not a Benedict Arnold if you go to Colorado, you know, you're not a trader. But anyway, uh, so going back to Kilo Stone, I'm excited about it. And uh, we need as many bodies as we can get. Speaking of which, he wasn't the only commitment that Ole Miss football got over the weekend. Patrick Broomfield, a six foot two cornerback from Clarksdale, Mississippi, which I do believe is the same high school that Tremaine McBride went to. I could be wrong on that one, but I think Tremaine's from there 
as well. Um, committed to Ole Miss. Cornerback. Now, if you look at his huddle film, the first thing you notice is how bad the quarterback play is. So there's a chance. I, Pat, the, my point is Patrick Broomfield could be a better cornerback if the quarterbacks he was playing against was better. I, I, I'm, I am serious about that because I saw some float, floated ducks that had no business being thrown in, in, on his film. And, yeah, if it was anywhere near the wide receiver, you could he would, he would be better off, I think. <laughs> well, well, that's a uh, that's an encouraging way to look at it, I guess, Stephen. But uh, yeah, no, I mean he plays receiver too. I mean mm-hmm. he in his spring game, the senior spring game, I guess probably a week or two ago, whenever it was for him, he had two touchdowns and an interception, six two, like you mentioned, buck sixty five, something like that. So he's got to put on some more weight for sure. Um, he had good offers though. You know, this would probably be a similar uh, style prospect to uh Kayla Stone a three-star guy but had good offer sheet of LSU Oregon Mississippi State and I think State was probably his number two choice um when you have an offer sheet like that you're you're usually kind of a an SEC guy regardless of what what your stars say he's clearly a versatile athlete he played varsity basketball in high school too and you know what this may not be uh super kosher to say but He's great friends with J.J. Harrell, Camarion Franklin, and Braylon Burnside. So, at the least, he's recruiting Ole Miss for those guys, which I think is huge in itself. You know what's kind of funny that you mentioned that? There's two distinct cliques in recruiting in the 2024 class, and you might not they might not call it that, but it is, just seems the way it is. The first one that I noticed was the Chris Davis, Jamonte Waller, um, the, the commit out of Pascagoula, I forgot his name. Jeffrey Rush, maybe. Jeffrey Rush, yes. And Nareel White. Um, that, that group of four, really tight, where you get all kinds of vibes that they're going to eventually end up together. They might go to visit to different places, but when it comes time to sign, you just get an idea that they might end up um, together. North Mississippi has the same thing. J.J. Harrell, Patrick Broomfield, Braylon Burnside, that group, Camarion Franklin, that it's interesting to see these clicks on different sides of the state, and it'll be interesting to see what that happens. Franklin's obviously having fun right now on Twitter, just putting himself in uniforms. It's like, hey, everybody, what do you think? To whichever fan base it is. So that and Waller. Okay, I will say this before people freak out. Steve Wiltfong said that Penn State was the leader for Jamonte Waller. Yep, it, saw that it, article. Yeah. It is May, and official visits are unlimited now. They're not limited to five. So if he goes on four visits in June, he could take seven more in the fall. Nobody freak out about this yet. It's just it's, it's too late. Everybody's yeah, freaking out already. Yeah, it, it, it's it's not there. That's just not the way that recruiting is going to work on this one. And once he goes up to Happy Valley, everybody's talking about that. You want to talk about a place that's like Starkville, except more in the middle of nowhere. That's Happy Valley. So just everybody simmer down. Let the season start. Waller, we're in good shape on him. Chris Davis is in his ear every day in school. A commitment for Ole Miss. Take a deep breath. We'll be fine. You know, it's it's funny you say that because a lot of these Mississippi kids, I feel like it's it's a very strong theme year over year. 
one or two of the top guys always really get an affinity for going out of state. Just doesn't matter how hard Ole Miss or Mississippi State recruits them, or even the nearby states like LSU or Bama. They're just dead set, I'm getting out of Dodge. And, you know, that was probably last year's Dante Dowdell, uh, Oregon, uh, went to Oregon, play running back. Um, you know, he may, that may be his case this year uh, for Jamonta Waller, but nobody knows that right now because we're so early in this recruiting process, I don't think. So, yeah. anyway, I just know our coaches have done a great job and Pete Golding's on him every single day. So, I, I, I'm just not super concerned about that. I know we're, we're getting a lot of good, good feedback from him. Yeah, just remember, official visits are unlimited now. He is about to have the best summer vacation of his life. Every weekend, he's going to get all expense paid where he's wined and dined. You would be crazy not to take a school up on that. Yep, it would, it, it would not suck. Yeah, I'll yeah, put it that yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's going to be all right. And remember, you know, like you said, there's players every year that getting out of state is they just want to do that. But that works the other way, too. DeMond Williams is, is committed in this class and recruiting his tail off. He's come back multiple times. So it does work both ways on that one and is probably working to Ole Miss's advantage. I really like DeMond Williams. Man, is he a cheerleader for the program. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I'm super excited about him. Yeah, um, what do you think the next commit will be? Who Just gets spitballing. Who do you think will be next? <laughs> Not transfer portal high school. Not transfer portal. Um, you know, I feel like uh, JJ Harrell or uh, Nareel White have been on flip watch for forever. Um, I mean, I would probably pick one of those two guys. Um, I see maybe um, maybe Cameron Beavers next in line. Those are probably. I think it's going to be a Mississippi kid. I think one of those one of those kids clicks here soon and gets in the commit column. I feel like we're starting to make a lot of traction in the state in a really heavy way. Yes, and um, for those that don't know, they've released the dates of the summer camps in Oxford, Mississippi. And in camp season, there's always commits. That 2019 Mississippi-made class that everybody makes fun of. Yes, that got that got us <laughs> that got us to a Sugar Bowl. There was yes. all kinds of commitments that were over the weekend um, of the camps going on. So somebody, I think, um, somebody that's a three-star in Mississippi is probably going to be the next commit that hit, that rings the bell for Ole Miss. I'd like to see Caleb Odom. Oh, great one. I completely mm. forgot about Odom. Yeah, he's definitely hot and heavy. Um, I think Ole Miss is – in the lead for him. I know he put out a recent top 10 list and the coaching staff felt like he was, that they were in the driver's seat for sure. That's a good one too. Uh, man, that would be a big one. Uh, I would love to see that name pop up on the commit column here soon. Yeah. when I talked to, um, Damon Williams, he mentioned that he was, um, recruiting him. He also said that he was planning on coming to the elite 11, which he did. And then coming back for his official visit, the weekend of the LSU game. And now I think he's mentioned about coming back again another time. So, I mean. Is this Odom? Is this Odom? This is Williams. But Williams oh, coming Williams. back. I'm sorry. Yeah. The trips like that, um, him and Odom, who met on Instagram of all places, um, just friends DM on Instagram. That's how they got together. 
Uh, but they've gotten extremely close. So the more that Damon Williams comes to town, I think the more that Caleb um, Odom is going to try and reciprocate. So we might have an opportunity to have him in town as well. We need to pay attention to when his official visit will be because I'm imagining it's going to be that LSU weekend. And I think that Ole Miss is going to blow out that LSU weekend. That's funny to hear meeting via Instagram. Most mm-hmm. of these guys, I feel like, meet at camp circuits or even AAU basketball, whatever it may be. They know the guys who are great athletes in their area, you know, or even across the state or or the national camps even across across the nation. That's, I don't know that I've ever really heard of uh, two, two uh, prospects becoming friends through Instagram first without being – like at an Ole Miss camp or something mm-hmm. and striking up a friendship. That's interesting. I like that. Yeah, I didn't know it's, that. It, yeah it's an Arizona and Georgia thing. They're, they're really far apart. So even in the camp circuit, the odds of them running across each other was not good. So Sure. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first and listen every day. Every day or tomorrow on the show, we will continue to dig drill down on Ole Miss football. We're going to talk about, I don't know, Trey Harris. We'll have him. We're going to look at names that I have not pounded into the dirt over the last three months. So I'm going to try and get creative with some subject matter and topics and then also talk about Jackson Dart not throwing the ball over the middle, which I always do. So we'll do that. Um, Pratt, thank you very much for stopping by tonight. We'll talk to you next week, bud. See you, buddy. Bye. All right, man. Bye.